Hey everyone, my name is Mariana and I am the host of the Commitment to Growth podcast as well as the founder of the Resilience Life Coaching platform, Commitment to Growth. This is a personal growth-oriented space dedicated to helping ambitious young adults who want to develop long-lasting resilience in their personal, professional, and social lives. I coach on all things mindset development, reframing limiting thought patterns, habit building, vulnerability, and emotional freedom techniques, and more, all through evidence-based practice and lots of raw and honest conversation. Thank you so much for being here, and let's dive right in. Hello, beautiful people. It is so lovely to be here with you today. If you're new, welcome. And if you're not new, welcome back to the Commitment to Growth podcast. This is your host, the founder, Mariana. It is a pleasure to have you here today. I am currently recording this on a Sunday evening from my grandmother's home in Mexico City. I am now a week into my time in Mexico City, about to be here for another four weeks, but I was just in South America, Chile, and Argentina specifically for two weeks, and it was a blast. It was amazing. It was everything I could have hoped for and more. I really, really want to record an episode for you on my travels and what that was like and reflections I learned that I really, really want to share with you that I, I think you only learn with traveling, that I think a lot of people should know whether or not you have traveled. But anyways, look out for that. But I'm recording this for you today first because I've had this idea for this podcast series for quite some time now and I was way too eager and I finally found some time after settling in and seeing some family this weekend. So I was like, you know what? Let's make it happen. So Welcome to the first official round of the Commit to Growth podcast series, our monthly Q&As here. Let me explain what this project of mine is going to look like, at least in the foreseeable future, lest I find another way to do it or some other creative ideas on how to run it come up. But basically, this is a, a way for you to get your questions answered, to get direct help on your most burning questions about anything and around self-discovery, healing, relationships, personal growth and development, changing your mindset, addressing limiting beliefs, surpassing them, habits, goal setting, everything that my resilience coaching platform is centered in and around. And what we're going to do is it's going to be a monthly practice. So at the last Thursday of every month, I will put up a one of those question boxes on my Instagram stories and the first six people to submit questions, by the way, you have to state whether you want your question to be anonymous or you want your name included when I read out the question. The first six people to send in questions from that question box will get their questions answered and I will personally let you know on Instagram DMs if your question is one of the top six that is getting answered. So be on the ball on the last Thursday of every month. I will put out a countdown probably the day or two before so you know it's coming, so you know to be ready. Set your alarms on on my stories when that time does come around so you can get your questions in. And my goodness, the questions from this first round were nothing short of disappointing. Let me tell you, I was almost like, wow, I can't believe I'm being gifted the opportunity to answer such deep questions online for everybody to hear. So I can't wait to share them with you. It's going to be absolutely wonderful. And just to give you a glimpse of how I really try to guide people and how I really try to guide you to be your own leader and to ponder on the right questions. Here's something for you to know. If you've ever worked with a life coach or if you're thinking of working with a life coach, hint, hint, nudge, nudge, 
not tooting my own horn or anything. <laughs> but if you are thinking of working with a life coach or for something you've done in the past before, the first thing to look out for is if any coach is telling you exactly what to do, you should do this, is how to solve your problem. They're already not doing what they're supposed to do as a coach. Coaches are supposed to help you be your own healer, your own guide, your own leader of your own story. And until once somebody starts taking it from another angle and telling you exactly what to do or what you should do or in their opinion, here's what you should be doing, that's when you know it's not in your best interest. It's it's biased, right? And so I want to put it out there that Again, if you're somebody who sent in a question and it's getting answered today, or if you're thinking about sending questions in the future, full disclaimer, I will never tell you exactly what you should do. I'm here to give you the tools to enlighten yourself with your inner wisdom, with the tools that you have, create abundance within what you already know. And I do that through the experience that I have that has led me to really take situations apart ask the right questions to get to the root of the concern or the problem or the issue. So I just want to put that out there because I I never want anybody coming in here expecting that they're getting a straight up solution. Here's what I think you should do. No. We're all so capable of, of being our leader, our own catalyst in our own evolution. That is the mission behind my practice and certainly the mission that I'm looking to fulfill today in today's conversation. So we've got six wonderful wonderful questions i hope you enjoy them i'm super duper excited about them and without further ado here is this month's q a all right so the very first question of the commit to growth monthly q a series we're kicking this off very very well this is an anonymous submission the first question is how have you been able to turn your painful experiences into opportunities for growth i love this question And I think the answer lies in having the capacity to shift our perspective. And this is one of the fundamental pillars of resilience that I educate clients on in this platform. We have the capacity to turn around any situation by changing how we view it. It's like that Henry David Thoreau quote, it's not what you look at that matters, it's what you see. And for me, in the times in my life where I have experienced pain or loss or heartbreak or grief, anger of any kind, there's a certain requital that that happens with our emotions, right? It's an opportunity to reflect on what you have been taught about anger or grief or sadness as as negative things and it gives us an opportunity to flip them and have an attitude of welcoming them for what they have to teach us emotions arise out of a result of something and when we ask ourselves what that something is what part of us is being triggered what part of us is being called upon to to rise what part of us is being asked to to grow and get uncomfortable and reflect on on whatever the situation is calling for that is how you assign meaning to what circumstances you're currently faced with it's about 
knowing yourself enough to know how you want to grow and how you want to grow is dependent on who you want to become on the other side on the other side of what you're experiencing and for me in the thick of when you're going through things it's really really hard to understand like why am i going through this why is this happening to me right now why am i why am i meant to go through this what is the what is the purpose of this in my life serving right now and of course that purpose isn't something that we have to find it's something that we create and to that i i think that's another part of that answer for me personally is you get to decide what things mean in your life how your evolution lies upon the choices you make while you're in the thick of it that's not to say that you can't make mistakes because we're not perfect and our mistakes always always have taught us something i would hope um but it's in how you assign meaning to your experiences and also again in those experiences for me personally like i know a huge thing i've always struggled with is vulnerability and letting myself be held by other people those have been incredible times where i have gotten close with some of the closest people now in my life where i've allowed myself to show up and say i don't know what's going on or i'm feeling so much i can't make sense of what i'm thinking or feeling or i just need a shoulder to lean on i need somebody's somebody's sleep to cry on <laughs> right ask yourself who you want to become and how the opportunities that are presenting themselves in your life are are giving you the the gateway to become that version of you because you're always always being asked to rise to meet that version of you it's just about creating meaning from your experiences and unlocking the pathway to becoming that version of yourself so that is my answer to that question is always leaning in and giving meaning to whatever you're going through because that gives you purpose that gives you motivation that gives you drive that gives you a a target to aim for and you're kind of working around the problem in a sense like you're not focusing so much on the problem but rather how you're going to get yourself out of it through personal respect personal growth self-love and turning that focus on yourself if you're in a in a situation where you have that capacity right you can't always do so 100% because it might be with a partner or a parent or a friend but when you can turning that lens on yourself and your actions and your intentionality is what will always always get you to the other side with utmost authenticity so that was the first question that was a wonderful first question second one when I, can i just say when i saw this one roll in i was like my goodness wow I'm excited. I don't know if I'm excited or not to answer this. <laughs> no, I'm always excited for a challenge. All right. Question number two, also an anonymous submission, is why do you think love doesn't always last? And, whew, wow. My first question to you would be why don't you think that love lasts? And what are you defining? love to be is love how long a relationship lasts and once it's over the love is gone or what is the foundation upon which you are judging the the lastingness of love because 
let's go back to fundamentals here for a moment. If you're spiritual, this might jive with you. If you're not, hear me out for a moment because I am, and this is very much the lens that I try to approach these questions from. I'm of the belief that we are an extension of the universe and therefore an extension of love itself, right? Therefore, every human being, every intention we set out into the world that is in, that is in, in, in good faith and in good purity um, is also an extension of that love. It is that love expressing itself. It's us expressing that love. Now, when it comes to, to relationships, whether it's parental, romantic, friendly, in whatever capacity, I don't think that just because things expire that the love goes away. The reason why sometimes relationships expire is because we fail to see each other eye to eye. Or, and it's not that that's a failure in and of itself, okay? It might mean that you're on different paths in life now, right? How many of us can say that and look back on old relationships and say, it's not that I stopped loving that person or it's not that I stopped wanting to invest in that relationship. It's just that I couldn't identify with it anymore, right? For older generations who didn't have that understanding, I know for me personally, I this is this is a question that I grappled with and have recently really, really flipped on its head after doing a lot of self-work and a lot of addressing my subconscious beliefs. I, my entire life, watched adult relationships around me, parents, friends, aunts, uncles, my own parents' marriage, friend, uh, parents of friends in Vancouver, in, in Mexico. I watched relationship after relationship and in divorce, in anger, in cheating, and there was truly a period last year where I was like, I don't think I believe in love anymore. I don't think I believe that if I find somebody that I will actually stay with them forever. There's a good chance that I'm probably getting together with this person to divorce them eventually, right? Now, I'm not in a relationship right now, but I can tell you that in that time, it has really forced me to reflect on when a person walks into my life and becomes a part of my life in that capacity as, an, as a romantic partner, how do I want that to look like? And from what I have seen, what do I not want to reenact? And one of those things for me has been treating love like it's conditional, treating love like it's something that starts and ends when the relationship starts and ends. The love is always there. The love never goes away. The love that you that once brought two people together stays even after one of them passes away or you have to separate paths because of whatever circumstances, right? That's why I think some of us who had healthy relationships in the past can look back on our on our exes and still be grateful for the things that we lived with them, right? That love never goes away, it just becomes redirected because you have more awareness about what you want love to mean at a deeper level. How many of us accepted less than we deserved in past relationships? How many of us didn't advocate for our needs? How many of us didn't set boundaries, right? Because at one point we thought that that wasn't love. 
But then we learn from that through pain or disappointment or rejection of some kind, and we realize that no, setting boundaries is is loving myself and therefore loving the other person too, because that allows me to show up as the best version of myself, and therefore I can love that person as the best version of myself. So again, to answer that question, I don't think that love fades. It's just that perhaps two people stop aligning with each other. They stop aligning with who they're becoming or what paths they're on or their value system. But that love becomes redirected into your personal growth, into your healing, into the next person that takes up that space in your life, into your other relationships, whether they're platonic or familiar, like I said. But if we treat love like this transactional thing or this thing that starts and ends at a certain point, then I think the whole universe would cease to exist as a whole. But really, like, then we're always going to be walking into relationships expecting something or or waiting for the bomb to drop. The bomb to drop. The shoe to drop. Uh, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> um, you start mixing up Spanish expressions with English ones and it's just like, I've been here for like three weeks, my goodness. But anyways, um... Love is not transactional. Love is not something that is conditional. Love is not something that that comes and goes. It's always there. It's just about how you express it and what meaning, again, you assign to it, right? What does love mean? If you're going through a difficult period, does love to you mean having difficult conversations or just accepting that your partner is as they are and you can't change them and therefore it's bound to fail, right? Is love choosing couples therapy or for family therapy of any kind or taking a break from each other to come back and see perhaps eye to eye better, right? What I really want you to take away from this is ask yourself, how would you define a love that lasts to express itself? Or how do you want to express love that always lasts? Again, whether that's to a family member, a partner, or a friend. If that is a belief that you're trying to turn around, you have to give yourself a new definition by completely flipping it on its head. So that's the answer to question number two there. That was a beautiful question. Thank you so much for for sending that in, for giving me the opportunity to answer that. Okay, number three, also an anonymous admission. And this is more situation-specific. I like this a lot. It says... I am having issues with my partner. They are very reactive during conflict and tend to say things that they later tell me they could take back. I have tried expressing that this behavior makes me feel unheard and disconnected, but they still don't always change how they react. Am I asking them to change by asking that they act differently in conflict? I'm not sure what else to do. Okay. I think we have to start this situation, this addressing this this concern by drawing a distinction between two things that I think are very different from each other. And those are somebody's way of reacting and their personality. Listen to this very carefully. How someone reacts and their personality are two different things. Listen to that again. Somebody's way of reacting and their personality are two different things. What I mean by that is that when you ask someone depending on the situation, of course, in this case, it's conflict. And, I, and and because of that, I think it's completely just. 
when you ask somebody to react differently in a way that fosters a space for there to be listening, for there to be conscious conversation, for there to be empathy, for there to be compassion, for there to be connection, that is not the same as asking somebody to change because asking somebody to change would be perhaps even asking them to feel differently about the situation or asking that they wear different things than what they like to wear or asking them to stop playing a certain sport, right? You're not changing them at their level of who they are. You're asking them to address the things that are leading them to act from a place of impulse or reactivity and instead step into conscious conflict in this case. Now, I want to touch on the influences of things like trauma on somebody's reactivity because I think it's important and I think that it deserves a well-rounded view in the sense for people who experienced a lot of control growing up, like they were yelled at a lot or they had very aggressive households or there was abuse involved or anything like that, a lot of times in their attempt to gain control to protect themselves in later situations, they will react in a way that asserts dominance. So yelling, kicking things, screaming, whatever that looks like, anything that looks like lashing out. It doesn't necessarily justify the behavior, but this is part of learning our loved one's conflict language. It's kind of similar to our love languages, and this is something that Jay Shetty recently talked about in, I believe, his, his recent book. We have to understand why people approach conflict the way that they do and how the ways that they approach conflict are affected by how they were taught to approach conflict or how what they were taught that conflict meant in the past because conflict is a charged word right we think like punching or being angry or, or yelling but conflict can simply mean two different viewpoints or experiencing friction in a relationship and because of that my first suggestion to you would be ask your partner what makes them feel like they have to react the way that they are reacting right now do they feel attacked do they feel unseen do they feel like you're controlling them and from there you get to the root of why you they are reacting the way that they are and you can you can create a safe space around that creating reassurance like when when you see them get heated like that or when a situation starts to get heated reassuring them this is a safe space i'm not trying to control you i'm i see you i'm listening to you showing that with your with your words but also your body language right like not backing away looking them in the eye and with that too the other thing i would say here that is important is we have to in a lot of instances where this has been a recurring conflict or or disagreement it isn't always enough to state how somebody's actions or words are impacting you sometimes you have to bring in how what they're doing or saying is also impacting the relationship as a whole so saying this is how your reactions are making me feel but also how i think they're impacting our relationship I feel like we're disconnecting. I feel like we're separating. I feel like we're getting away from each other. I feel like we don't see each other in conflict. I feel like we don't arrive at solutions in conflict because of that. And then that hinders how we connect later. We go to bed angry, for example. And when you provide, when you advocate 
for both parties because when you advocate for the relationship, you're also advocating for the other person in some regard, right? It has way more impact and you're also bringing them as a direct person, actor in in that situation, right? Because when you advocate for the relationship, you're advocating for how that person's role in it is impacting its outcome. So once again, understanding their conflict language, bringing in how it's impacting the relationship. And from there, coming up with solutions together. If that person is really struggling to make that transition because that's a pattern that is really, really ingrained in them because they have trouble with regulating when that anger or that that frustration arises, you're going to have to be okay with baby steps, right? Do both of you need to take time in separate rooms when the heat first rises so that you can come back and be regulated and then step into conversation, right? Do you need to seek some kind of, of couples counseling? Do you need to hold each other's hands when that, when that, um, that conflict arises, what things need to be said to create that safe space, like I mentioned earlier. So remember that this is an opportunity for you to get closer to each other. This is an opportunity for you to create more connection. And on the other side of this, should you both choose to address this together and match up your conflict languages or find compromise in your conflict languages, will get you through even tougher situations because now you're stepping and choosing conscious relationship, conscious connection, conscious conversation. So that would be what I have to say to number three there. Thank you for submitting that question. Number four, this is the first non-anonymous submission. This is from Jessica. It says, if you could go back and redo parts of your life, would you? This is getting more personal here. And my answer is and will always be no. Are there choices that I made that while doing them, I had an inkling that they were wrong and I did them anyway, that I wish I could take back? Some, yes. Many, no. And I say no to redoing parts of my life because... I would never be where I am today without those experiences, even the most painful ones. It goes back to question one, right? I feel very happy to be who I am today because I feel like I created this person. In every time I was faced with adversity, I took the choice to direct my growth out of it in in the ways that I could, right? Because most of the time, it's a higher plan, right? But I still made the point of being intentional, of asserting how I wanted to come out on the other side of that painful experience or whatever the situation was at the time. And because of that, I feel like the person that is talking to you today on the other side of this microphone is the person that I've always wanted to be because I got to choose how who I wanted to be was going to be the result of the experiences that I went through. Whatever they were, you extract from them what you can to understand how life is putting them in your path to help you become who you want to be. 
there's something really, really wonderful too about looking back on the experiences that at one point didn't make sense or you for a long time could not see the purpose behind or for a long time suffered about and getting to look at them through a new lens now and say I'm so grateful for that or like I think about my first relationship how as painful as of an ending as that was the template it it gave me for creating a definition of love that I would not have otherwise recognized in a later situation had I not gone through that in the first place that I not experienced love the way that I did in that situation and also experienced the ways in which I wanted to experience more love or to know more or to experience more connection that I wasn't getting in that situation or or just reflect on how the reasons it ended led me to come up with a new definition of how of who I want to be when somebody else takes that spot, right? There is something so beautiful about just assigning meaning to the things that you were you were given to to experience and how your evolution came as a result of those experiences, no matter how it didn't make sense in the moment. So my answer if I could redo parts of my life is is no. There were some times that really, really sucked and there were some times that I barely pulled through and there were some times where I must have looked crazy getting out of them, but I did nonetheless. And and here I am, completing a, fulfilling a really, really wonderful mission that is very close to my heart. And part of that is in this conversation today. So thank you for sending that in, Jessica. And the last question of today, because we only had five submissions this first round, is... What advice would you give to somebody who was struggling with feelings of low self-esteem? I feel like I am always judging the outcome of my future and using past experiences of failure, and I can't seem to surpass my fear of failure and rejection to do what I want to do. This is also an anonymous submission. First of all, let's talk about looking at life through the lens of our past. If you've been here for long enough, you know that neuroscience is at the core of how I approach resilience and and coaching as a whole, but also how I like to educate. So let me give you a little bit of a neuroscience crash course on beliefs here. Our minds work through associations. If you experience adversity in one situation, your mind instantly puts a red flag over that situation in your memory and puts that same flag over any situation that looks similar or appears is going to bring you the same kind of discomfort. So For example, if you had a bad experience in dating or in friendships where you gave your trust to somebody and somebody new comes into your life who is showing that they want to give you love and care and affection, you're going to assign that past experience with with broken trust onto that person. Now, it's not a bad thing. This is a very primitive aspect of our brains in that they're trying to keep us safe right it's it's a natural defense mechanism to just not going through that pain and that suffering again right but when we trust those associations and and again there's a there's a big difference between our that association and our intuition we'll get into that in a later episode but when we are looking 
at people and situations with the lens of our past and saying, well, in, in at one point I got my heart broken, so it's bound to happen in this relationship again, or I tried out for that, that acting role and I got rejected and it's going to happen this time again. We become a victim of our own stories. We become a victim of our own predictions that is that's all they are. They're just predictions, right? Maybe you could call them assumptions, even not even predictions, right? The first thing that you have to get to the root of is what stories are playing out in your mind when you are trying to rise into a position of more confidence, of more self-esteem. That's the first thing because when you can put a name or when you can label what is going through your mind, you know it the second that it comes up, right? It starts playing in your mind and you're like, oh, there's that story again or there's that belief again, right? So put a name to those voices, understanding what they're saying because most often they're just running on repeat. They're just running in a loop, right? That's not to say that that's not you. You're not your thoughts. That's just your mind sounding the alarm bell so that you stay safe. So that's my first suggestion is put a name to those voices. Second, obviously confidence comes from competence, but before you do the thing, it's hard to get yourself in a mindset of confidence. So because of that, you have to embody it. Embodiment, for those of you that don't know, is bridging mind and body. Mind, heart, and body, I like to say, actually. What I mean by that is you stop being cognitive about the things that you're fearing, about the things that you're feeling, you take it into the body. How is your body feeling when you feel that fear? Where do you feel that fear in your body? And then ask yourself, so this is going to be your starting point, okay, after you put a name to those voices. Ask yourself, how do I want confidence to feel? Or how do I want high self-esteem to feel? When we focus on feeling, we create a frequency, we create an energy that is more alive than just saying, well, I think this is what I want it to look like. And because that's a more cognitive process, right? Feel in your body what you want confidence to feel like. And from there, go to what thoughts do you associate with that feeling? So for example, if you say that confidence feels like feeling safe or confidence feels like feeling calm, well, what makes you feel calm? Looking at an audience during a public speech and not feeling afraid, right? Or knowing that people are listening, right? If you think confidence feels like loving yourself, what behaviors do you associate with loving yourself? Is that dressing how you want to dress, wearing that new skirt you bought, those sunglasses you bought? Does it look like wearing your hair a certain way or saying what you want to say versus holding back from sharing your opinion or stating a boundary, right? Start with feeling and then what that looks like because the feeling guides the action. And we, when you start from feeling... How you want to feel is a direct extension of your authentic essence. How you want to feel is a direct representation of what lights you up and is what what is aligned with 
who you are and what you want to feel. Start with feeling first and what actions and thoughts are aligned with that feeling. And then act on those feelings and tap into that feeling as you're doing those things. It's not going to come right away. It's not going to be an automatic process right away. It's going to require a lot of kind of conscious effort and conscious attention at first to not shift back into those old stories. But what happens when you don't ask yourself what feeling you want to feel is that if you go solely based off of what you think it should feel like or what you think you need to do to feel a certain way, then as you're doing it, you're going to be hoping for the feeling. And if it doesn't come, you're going to tell yourself that, oh, well, obviously I'm not confident or obviously I'm doing something wrong, right? In that case, you get to set the tone for what your life looks like and for what certain things bring up for you in that case. So start with a feeling, ask yourself what thoughts and actions are aligned with that feeling and bring up that feeling for you. And from there, repeatedly tap into that through visualization, right? Visualization is a wonderful exercise for this question because your brain can't tell between you actually standing in front of an audience and you simply visualizing it, right? Again, I'm going with the talking in front of an audience, building your confidence because it's a classic example. If you visualize yourself talking to an audience, giving a speech or a comedy show, whatever you're doing in front of the audience, and you visualize yourself at the level of your body too, so feeling in your body what you want confidence to feel like, you are bridging mind and body with each other, okay? So when you deviate from that feeling, you can come back to it. You know how to express it. You know how to tap back into it because you've done it so many times that when you're in the actual situation, you know how you want to feel. You know how you're supposed to feel, right? It's never exactly the template, right? Because being in front of an actual audience is something a little bit different, but you have a template of a feeling, we'll call it. When you live through feeling, you live through authenticity and you live through... You live through humanity, in my opinion, too, because life isn't meant to be just lived in your head. It's meant to be lived in your heart and your body, too. Embrace that process because you get to you get to fully express that energy. And it's so, so beautiful when you do. And that is what creates radiance and what creates magnetism. Because when you are in the energy of how you want to feel, the things and the people and the opportunities that are aligned with that will come into your life as a bonus. So that is this month's Q&A. What a great one to start the series off with. Thank you to everybody who sent in submissions. Those were incredible and so insightful and I hope they provided you with some guidance and some enlightenment on what steps to take and, and how to how to be the catalyst for for the growth and the direction that you you want to grow into. So once again, be on the lookout next month on the last Thursday of next month to submit your questions. We did five today to start off this round, but next month we'll be doing six and every month after that as well. So make sure you are on the countdown the day before. On the Thursday, make sure you're on the ball to get your submission in. I will let you know if you're one of the first six questions to come in and therefore yours will get answered and hopefully you can get some direct help on something that you're 
you're having a lot of doubt about or questions about because I just I love giving you this more kind of personalized help and just give back to this community in any way that I can so this is for you take it do it I love getting to help you in any way that I can once again thank you for tuning in today it was such a pleasure to be here with you today and I will see you in the next conversation